I started off um, two Wednesdays ago and I was talking about the life of David and, and um, how using it as a template in being rooted and grounded in how the Lord used, um, um, anointed him at a young age and yet continued uh, to use him. And of course, I uh, started out on Wednesday and then Brother Gimple came on Sunday morning and he preached about Goliath and one of those pivotal moments in David's young life. And I know sometimes we don't uh, sort of um, put those in sort of some chronological order or in terms of uh, what was going on and yet a great story, great word, great sermon and um, I know um, we are uh, and I, I had a picture of uh, a, a man standing with roots coming out of his feet or uh, of the tree rooted in the Bible. And knowing that what we know about horticulture today and putting our roots down and how important that is. And I, I read Psalms, the first chapter, which was uh, that uh, we shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Of course, going forward into the New Testament, a very famous um, type of, uh, of a parable involved specifically the soil and Jesus told it in Matthew the 13th chapter it's recorded in Mark the 4th chapter Luke the 8th chapter about this sower that goes forth to sow and the seed is the word of God now what's amazing about that is later John would say that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God and the Word became flesh. So we would say that sowing Jesus into us, which is why when we get baptized, we want to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When we receive the Holy Ghost, we believe that it, the ghost part of that, it's the Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the same spirit that was in Jesus now. In fact, one writer said, the spirit of Christ dwell in you. And so what's exciting is the Lord is wanting to plant that word inside of us and then wants it to grow. But it depends on what kind of soil we have. And so, you know, I know David, uh, you know, was showed a lot of this uh, intimacy with God and developed the heart of God. As a matter of fact, he was listed as a man after God's own heart. And so David had soil, but God had to develop that within him. In, and that's what we were talking about because there is the packed soil, the wayside soil. And I'm not going to preach a whole sermon about soil. You've heard numerous ones and they're good and you'll probably hear more even from me. But when an individual has been walked on and trampled on and circumstances have pounded them and you know, I, I have to confess that probably the last two years everybody has felt pounded. 
by news reports, by problems, by situations. It's just been one after another. And there's no way to put up a boundary and say, don't walk on me because the news is full of stressful, powerful <laughs> trampling on. And, and we were mentioning this morning in, the, in, in our meeting with some of our ministers just how that, you know, uh, who would have thought that the government had the right to say no more church or had the right to say no more with going out without a mask or no more this or no more that or no more than 10 people or no more. And so you can't have a boundary. And of course, we're blessed in America. There are some countries that still are not able to have the worship, even with the freedom after COVID. But you know, here it is. And so there's that, that hard soil, and then there's the shallow soil, and they get offended. And the Bible uses the phrase, there's no root in themselves, and they're very shallow, and they're looking for somebody. They, they've got a hard crust down there, you know, maybe a thin veneer, but when you kind of touch them too much, they get hard. There's no depth. And then there's the thorny or weeds and that soil. And I, I think all of Licking County's weeds are in my property. But anyway, that's a whole nother story for another day. I, I grabbed one the other day I, and, and it had, it must have been a stinging nettle and I didn't have gloves on and I yelled and screamed and the more I slapped my hand, the worse it got. And for uh, several hours, I was trying to figure out what's going on. It was a green plant. But anyway, and, and, and what was amazing was it had, when I, when I finally got gloves and pulled it up, it pulled up strawberry plants, it pulled up everything because its roots were so enmeshed. It had choked the life out of it. Well, what are you saying that and the Lord said the cares of life, just problems and deceitfulness of money or pleasure or circumstances will choke, choke out the word and will choke out the good. And, and we see that within individuals and they come and they, they, they feel God and yet if something just chokes it out. They get busy and this happens and that happens and it, it, that's the way it is. And somebody's got to take the time to clear the weeds and clear the, the, all the thorns and pull up and, and root out. And then, of course, there's good soil, and even the good soil had divisions. Some produced 30-fold, some produced 60-fold, and some produced 100-fold. And so it was like, you know, uh, even the good soil had varying degrees. And so what I really want to focus on, and I, I'll get started this morning. I hope maybe I can finish tonight. I don't know. But is how the Lord developed this soil in David and how he's using circumstances, hopefully, to develop it in me. Because what we know is David was anointed king uh, to be the next king in 1 Samuel, the 16th chapter. 
chapter, we read some of those verses. We're not exactly sure how old he was. He was considered a lad or a young man. And that's the way the Bible describes him. The Hebrew word means that it was before his bar mitzvah. So that usually happens at 11, 12, 13, somewhere in there where he is declared a now uh, a young adult. And so David, when he was anointed, was somewhere between 8 and 12, or 8 and 11, 8 and 13, whatever. And then uh, that's when the Lord told Samuel, I don't look at the outside, but I look at the heart. And then we know that it was another 17 to 22 years later before he officially became king. And that happens all the way forward in 2 Samuel, the fifth chapter. But until then, for that 17 years, nobody likes to go through 17 to 22 years of having the Lord work on us. We're, all, we're an instant society. I want to order it on one side of the building and pick it up on the other. I want to put it in the microwave. I want it hot like that. If the line takes a long time, I've, unfortunately, I've been in them and, and see people get mad. It's not moving fast enough. Anybody ever? And I've had, you know, them say, well, sorry, sir, we're shorthanded. Sorry, it's taking a little longer. Sorry. But we don't like that. We want instant. I want somebody to instantly. I want to be, I want to be well instantly. I want to be healed instantly. And yet God developed David for some 20 years. What was he developing? A sense of trust, a sense of faith, a sense of commitment. And I mentioned David first development was he's anointed and then he's sent back out to the sheepfold. He was trying, the Lord was sending him to a secret place. He's now guarding sheep, fighting bears and lions and writing songs and praying. And then, sort of as an overview, then it was he submitted to serving others. And then it ends up during that time he kills Goliath and then the lastly, he develops within David a sense of community by sending him to the cave of Adullam. And there he individuals came to him seeking refuge. And Saul was left vulnerable in his hands. And so God was developing trust. You know, and that's what's so amazing. If I can't trust God to engage in an intimate personal worship connection to him. How can I trust God to allow me to, with humility, serve others or connect to a community of believers? You see, I can try to be a part, I can be a part of Kiwanis Club or I can be a part of Whatever club there is. I can be a member of the Rotary Society. I can be a member of whatever. But that's not the same as being in a community of believers. 
That's what makes our church different. It's not just a religion that, well, you know, yeah, that's where I am. We want you to be a part. This is a family. It's a body. It's not enough to say, oh, well, you know, I go once a week, I go, but I, I don't love anybody there. I don't know about anybody there. That's not how you, the word wants to grow fruit, wants you to produce fruit, whether it's wisdom or character or faith, endurance, strength, the fruit of the spirit, witnessing to somebody, helping somebody, doing what you can because it's Christ in me. It's what we were talking about with the sister Melissa. And that's why repentance, that first moment of repentance is clearing the ground. That's what John the Baptist preached. If you remember in Matthew, the third chapter, you can read John the Baptist. What did he preach? Go back. Well, we'll start it there. He said, uh, he said, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he said, don't think to say within yourself that we have Abraham for our father. That's because the Jews, at that time, there's no need for repentance. Even now, they don't feel the need to repent because I've been born in the club. So I don't have to enter in. And John the Baptist was revolutionary in this. And he kept saying, you need to repent and, and you know, go on the next, next page. And, and he said, don't say, we have our father. I say unto you, God is able of these stones to raise up children of Abraham. Then, then he uses a very powerful word. He said, the ax is laid to the root of the trees. What was he saying? Basically, you got to cut down all that old stuff in you so the new stuff can grow. If you're starting a garden, you don't go out into the weed patch and just drop seeds. You don't go out there and just move your shovel and put a flower plant in there. You start clearing some ground, turning it over, tilling it a little bit, trying to get the weeds out. That's what repentance is. I'm trying to do different in my life. That's why Sister Sheena was talking about our, the lesson that the kids are going to be learning. It was about that very fact of, you know what, uh, I'm trying, I don't want to come and go the same way I came. I want the Lord to change me. And, it's, and people throw off on, on, on people that are, are, are saying, and they go, well, you don't accept, you don't accept this, and you don't accept that, and you don't accept people of this lifestyle, you don't accept this habit, you don't, you're exactly right. I, what, I accept you to come, I accept you to come to God, but then I know a power that is able to transform you. You don't have to live an alcoholic. You can be changed. You don't have to live addicted to cigarettes. You can be delivered. You don't have to live in the binds and the chains that the Lord, the enemy has tried to wrap around you. And that's the difference in who we are 
And it is not, that's why he preached repentance. And he said, I'm not, I'm going to baptize you with water under repentance, but he that is coming after me is mightier than I. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. That's why we, we, we fire, what does fire do? Burns up weeds, burns up the stuff. You know, that's why when you get the Holy Ghost, it's not one and done. It is a constant, let me let the Holy Ghost work through me and change me and transform me and burn up some of the stuff that's in me. Paul said I can do all things through Christ and yet before all of this Paul had said you know what you got to rejoice and praise and pray and, and, and with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving and discipline yourself and, and I know we, we talked about I don't like my process and I don't I want to have somebody else's process and I don't like what I'm going through and I don't want you know it's not fair how come the Lord's working on this in me and he lets other people get by with it or I'm ready to rush the process I want it to hurry up I want to skip these steps why do I need to go through this 20 years and I know, we talked about that. And we talked about how the roots grow. And they don't grow one, two, three, four, five. They kind of spread out into all different ways. And sometimes it feels like this is going on. And then sometimes that. And then sometimes something else. And if you've ever felt that way, the Lord's probably trying to grow a root system in you. If you've ever been guilty of saying if it's not one thing it's another the Lord's probably trying to grow roots in you what that I'm going to hold on and have faith in God regardless of what's going on that I have trust in God that I am going to maintain my relationship with God that's why David would write things like, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. Why? Because all those things that are happening are supposed to be turning us into a closer relationship with Almighty God than we've ever had before. Seems like, unfortunately, when I am, when everything's going good, it's easy to forget to ask God anything. It's easy to forget to pray. It's easy to just do my own thing. And I've had people that have said to me, well, Pastor, I don't want to come to God now. I don't want to come to church just when things are going wrong because I didn't do much when things were going right. No, let me tell you, come to God. It doesn't matter what's driving you. Make part at a part of your life and come and get into the presence of Almighty God. But you know what? Most of the time for most of us, we get more serious when something's going on. Sorry, that's just the way it is. We pray more, we read more, we, you say, well, I, it becomes more intense. Jesus himself with his disciples he had been healing, he had been delivering, he had been, they had watched things going on and he tells his disciples, let's get in the ship and uh, because there's just so many people, he had healed so many. 
and they were pressing against him. Many with plagues and unclean spirits. And when they saw him, they fell down before him and said, these, these spirits said, Thou art the Son of God. And Jesus charged them that they should not tell anyone. It was like his fame was exploding. This is the wave. Go ride the wave. You know what the first thing the Lord wanted to do? Go to a mountain. Get alone. What do you say? I'm trying to produce some soil. And he calls his disciples. And he says, they came to him. And he, he went up into a mountain and he said now we're going to go forth and he ordained them to preach and have power and heal the sick and cast out devils. One time when he was talking about prayer he said when you pray go into a closet. What are you saying? I am saying that when we see the miracle that we saw Sunday morning and that we saw here this morning and then we saw last Sunday and how God healed and touched that doesn't happen just because of where who was here Sunday morning. There's been a lot of prayer going on in the prayer room. There's been a lot of prayer going on on Tuesday night. There's been a lot of prayer going on in homes. Huh? In the secret place. There's been a lot of prayer going on. It doesn't happen just, well, boom, I walk in. Because if it could just happen like that, we ought to all go down to Licking Memorial Hospital. And just walk the aisles, heal the sick, raise the dead. Huh? Let me tell you, there's been a lot of prayers going on. There's been a lot of prayers of women. What are you talking about? He charged them. You know, here, here he was. He, he said, you've got to pray. You see, an inner room experience with God is what produces a clarity of vision, an understanding of my purpose, my hope, my peace, my ability to speak like God speaks. What do you say when you know how to pray? I know you can call your neighbor and you can talk and you can get on Facebook and you can communicate but how long have you been talking to the Lord of Hordes and the King of Kings that's what will give you clarity of vision oh I can sit here I, you know I, I can go through it I can put something on Instagram and boom 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 and oh man yeah and I get I got a hundred likes man just like that boom isn't that awesome they like what I'm saying Woo, hallelujah that still hasn't ministered to my soul and my heart like getting into the presence of Almighty God. What are you saying? That in this hour we have got to have more than ever individuals that start off the day playing a song. I, I mentioned Brother Todd Brown said that you know before he even gets out of bed he says a word of prayer. That's the way it's got to be for all of us. We got to be able to say Lord in the very morning what are you doing? I am trying to get a hold and recenter my life. I I want to speak and, and and you go through the Bible thousands 
thousands and hundreds rather of people that had these inner room experiences or upper room experiences or whatever, the desert experiences, whether it was David who watched sheep or Moses who was in the desert for 40 years or the disciples who were three and a half years with Jesus or John the Baptist who was in the wilderness or, or Jehu. And I knew when I said Jehu, some of y'all would go, I don't remember his. His was kind of ironic. If you ever want to read a, a the Lord speaks to Elisha and says, Elisha, go anoint Jehu and tell him thus and thus. And he goes, well, where is he? And he says, he's down with some people. And Elisha goes to Jehu, takes the oil in his hand and says, Jehu, I need to speak to you in private. I'm going to take you in the inner room. He gets Jehu in there, pours the oil on him, says, let me tell you what you need to do. You need to go and kill Ahab, and, I mean Jezebel, and you need to, and he starts telling Jehu what to do. Now what's amazing about it was Jehu had this inner room experience and he comes out of the inner chamber and he's shaking his head. And he's, he's going, this guy is nuts. This guy is absolutely crazy. And go ahead, the next slide. Jehu came forth to his men and one of them asked him, are you okay? Is all well? Wherefore did this mad fellow come to thee? And he goes, well, you know the guy. He's off his rocker. Jehu didn't even believe it. And his men said, oh no, tell us what's going on. And he said, he told me that I was anointed king of Israel and that I, and Jay, his men got so excited that they took off their coats, they ran and threw them on the stairs, and they started proclaiming him the next king. I want to tell you something. If you ever get into an upper room, inner chamber, experience with God, people around you will believe it sometimes more than you can even see the change. But when he came out, they saw that he was different than when he went in. Oh, you know... What, what are you talking about? That's where, you know, when you jump into the inner room, it starts changing the way you talk. You know, you, you, can, you can pray depressed. Oh God, why, you know, why am I going through this and what's going on? But if you start getting the word and you say, Lord, your word said you would never leave me nor forsake me. Lord, you're going to be with me in the midnight hour. Lord, you're going to be there when no one else is there. As a matter of fact, you know what the, what the Psalms 119th chapter and 148th verse says? Mine eyes 
prevent the night watches that I might meditate in thy word. That Hebrew word prevent, that's translated prevent in the King James, is kadam. What it actually means is anticipate or come to meet. The Amplified has a closer interpretation of the Hebrew there, of Psalms 119, 148. It should read, mine eyes anticipate or come to meet the night watches. Why? Because I am awake before the cry of the watchman. So that what? I may meditate on your word. What are you saying? If you've been waking up at night, you got pain, if you've got situations that are happening, you know how to defeat that? Or use it for good? Grab your Bible. Turn on a Bible app. Start reading a psalm. Start praying. What are you doing? I'm taking this moment. Devil, if you woke me up, I'm going to pray. If Lord, if you woke me up, I'm going to pray. It doesn't matter who woke me up, but my point is I'm anticipating having an alone time with Almighty God in the midst of all the chaos. I'm going to raise my hands. Why? Because, Lord, you're doing something in me. I don't know what it is you're doing. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know what's going to happen with it. But one thing I do know, as David said, unto thee will I cry. Oh, my Lord, my rock, he will not be silent with me. Lest if you be silent, I become like them that go down in the pit. Oh, hear the voice of my supplication when I cry unto thee and I lift my hands. David, you see, had developed while serving the sheep an intimate conversation so he knew when it was time to serve somebody else he had already been talking to the Lord. He had been playing out there on the sheepfold somewhere. What's amazing is before David became great and killed Goliath, he was developing a great relationship. You won't become great until you have this. You go, I want to be great. I want to walk on water. Not until you have this. You see, as a matter of fact, and we'll get to it tonight, actually, David, four or five years, he was 17, 18 years of age, and they asked him to come and be Saul's armor bearer before he ever fought Goliath. He was asked to carry, to serve. What a powerful God we have. Let's stand. Oh, hallelujah.